Welcome back to Your 1230, the podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of only 12 questions in ideally 30 minutes. This evening, we are very excited to be joined by Allison Verhalen. Allison majored in English and psychology without realizing she was getting the perfect degree for content marketing. It wasn't until a few years after she graduated when a friend's dad asked her to write blog posts for his law firm that she realized there was an opportunity to make money doing what she loves. Allison, welcome. We are really excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, of course. And so I'll ask you, did you know that you were going to love content marketing before or after you were asked to write uh, said said posts? Well, the reason I jumped at that chance when it was offered was because I've always, always loved to write, always wanted to be a writer when I was growing up and was told that writers don't make any money and I should choose something more practical. But I majored in English because I couldn't stay away and I kind of fell into psychology, not realizing not planning to major in that, but just finding myself fascinated by psychology. So got sucked into that. Um, and by the time I graduated, I actually thought I wanted to work in publishing because I figured if I couldn't make a living making books, maybe I could make a living writing books. Well, uh, I graduated in 2009, right after the job market crashed. So there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So I, you know, bounced around different jobs. Like you said, I got a job. Uh, I was between jobs at one point and my roommate's dad, yeah, asked me to write blog posts for his law firm. And I jumped at the chance to get paid to write because that was the dream as far as I was concerned. Um, still did not know that content marketing was like a thing and I could have like a whole career around this. Certainly had no concept of SEO. And if you had told me when I started that I would need to learn SEO in order to do more of this blogging thing, I would have been too intimidated to even try. So, uh, but it was something that I just kind of fell into. The more I did it, the more I realized I needed to learn SEO and actually ended up really enjoying it. So kind of, I think is the answer. Like the more I've done it, the more I've I've been really sucked into this career and found that I really enjoy it, even though I did not really know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> okay, that's a great answer. And that kind of leads me to the next question. Did did he know when he was hiring you that you, I'm sure he knew you had an English background, but that this would be something that you would like to do or excelled, excelled at? Or what, what did he know of your background when, when the uh, offer was made? Yeah, he knew I was a strong writer. He knew that I majored in English. That was something that his daughter and I had bonded over way back in high school was the fact that we were both writers. So I, he was really just looking for a stuff for me to do so he could help me out while I was between jobs, but also like, what do I have to do around the office that I don't want to do that I can offload onto someone else? So no, I, I don't think he foresaw this being like a whole career for me. <laughs> I think it was just a short term solution. But yeah, I ended up continuing to write blog posts for him for several years up until he retired. Very nice. And how did it turn into that career for you? Because I'm sure it wasn't just uh, one client you had. How did you how did you expand it? How did you grow it? Kind of by accident, although the more I think about it, there there was some intentionality there. Uh, so I, I did keep writing for him and then he recommended me to an associate of his. So then I started writing for his associate. And then I mentioned what I was doing when I made I met some new for, I did eventually get another day job kept writing on the side met some people who were also entrepreneurs and kept pushing me toward entrepreneurship. And at some point I mentioned to them that I was, I was writing for these, these law firms and they needed some writing. So then I started writing for them. And then 
when I was introducing myself to people, you know, everyone asked, what do you do? And I was like, well, by day I answer phones, but I'm really a writer. Like <laughs> I would kind of skip over the day job and really focus on what I wanted to do to make sure that everyone knew that I, I was writing and was looking to do that. So that that was a big part of how I, I got started. And that makes sense. And you uh, you talk about writing for an attorney or that's your first client. Did mm -hmm. you have any experience in the law? Was it exciting to write about? What did you need to know to make those posts what people wanted to read and what your client was looking for? Yeah, um, I don't know if I'd say I have experience in the law. I had experience working in other law firms. I did actually take a class in like a basic law class in high school because, yes, I had one of those high schools where you could take one of those. I think it was business law or something like that. So and then in college, I worked at a law firm uh, summers between college. That was my summer job was was working at a law firm. So I, you know, and I've grown up around lawyers, so I, I kind of knew the basics. I knew the lingo, certainly. Um, but yeah, as far as writing the blog posts, I mean, I was kind of in an ideal situation because you don't you don't really want to be a lawyer or know too much about the law in order to write for it because the people you're writing for are not other attorneys. They're average people who don't understand Latin and have no idea what you're talking about. You want to be able to meet them at their level. So I was able to take the information that I was given. He would usually just send me a uh, like a newspaper article about a, a law, you know, a, a certain lawsuit or something that was in the news and say, you know, turn this into a blog post. And then it, that's basically all I would do was kind of reframe the story. And then at the end, say, by the way, if you need someone who does this, we do this. So having um, just the basic knowledge of, of the law and how the law firm worked. Yeah, it helped me, but it also helped me to not know too much <laughs> about the law so that I could see it from the other perspective. And that makes sense. Um, would you, logistically, would you write under a pen name? Would would you be credited these blog posts? Or what was what what uh, what made sense for, you, for your clients and yourself? It's all ghostwriting. The idea behind blogs, so it's their names on all the blog posts. I just get paid for it, right? So, yeah, the idea behind blogging, well, one of the main goals of blogging is to position yourself as an expert. And if you have someone else, uh, have someone else's name underneath the blog post, then that doesn't really do much to improve your credibility. So yeah, everything I do for my clients is ghostwriting. Okay. And that's still the case today. Correct. Okay. And what types of clients are you working with today? Still attorneys. I, I ended up finding that was a pretty good niche. And I do like writing for attorneys. So I still write for a number of attorneys. Uh, ended up also writing for financial planners and some business coaches. All of those those professional service industries really benefit from blogging. So and and again, I like writing for them. So that's kind of the niche I've fallen into. And okay, and that I, I agree with you that those those niches, those sectors definitely uh, could could use well-written blogs and it will help them connect with their with their clientele. How how have you either grown your business or how are you how are you finding your clients? Are they finding you through your content? Is it word of mouth? Is it a little bit of everything? It is a little bit of everything. I have gotten some people through my own content marketing. People find me on Google or on social media and that's always gratifying. Um, networking and yeah, word of mouth and referrals have been really good for me. And how do you describe what you do to someone who's not, not familiar with you and your background? 
Yeah, that's something I've, I've played around with. Essentially, I say I write the content that goes on your website that tells people who you are, what you do, and how you can help them, in a nutshell. That's excellent. You're obviously uh, you're obviously a good writer, and you can you can package content in a in a way that is makes sense and uh, sounds sounds good. I've never heard English and psychology. I mean, it makes sense as I'm just saying the words, but they're the perfect background for for what you do. Um, but wh which piece of it do you, can you tell when you know this is the writing piece? This is more of how people will think about it or will interpret it, or is it kind of just the uh, perfect combination of the two? It really is a perfect combination of the two. There is, I mean, storytelling, knowing how to tell a story cert effectively certainly comes from my English background, but there's also a fair amount of psychology involved in good storytelling and in, in what we perceive as good storytelling and what really resonates with us. Certainly the call to action is always psych-based. That's always, you know, how can I motivate them to take the next step in the buyer journey? What is the next step in the buyer journey? What makes sense? So yeah, it's it's definitely a bit of both. Okay. And do you find, as as you kind of described that, that you've got clients who want to learn how to do this on their own? Or is it strictly, please do this for me because yeah. I, I can't? Yeah, my favorite clients are the ones who are like, please do this for me. And uh, networking with other people, there's always that question when you are marketing of how much information do you give them? And for my coaches, you don't want to give away too much information because that's their business. They're selling information. I'm kind of selling information, but I'm mostly selling that I'm going to do it for you. So my tactic is usually overload them with information until their eyes cross and they go, never mind, you you do this for me. Um, but I do a fair amount of teaching. I came out with a book for the people who can't hire me, right? Who just want to learn to do it themselves. So for the people who, you know, can't afford me or, or you know, can't even um, go there for whatever reason, if they, they do want to dabble in it, or if they just really like writing and want to be better at it. There are always those people, so I always make sure that there's something in, in my content, in my marketing content for them. This episode of Your 1230 is brought to you by Accomplished RE, helping real estate agents achieve time, location, and financial freedom. Excellent. And what can you tell us about that book? So it's called Content Marketing Made Easy. It is available in print and digital on Amazon. And really the whole idea behind it, because like I said, when I got started in content marketing, um, if you had told me I needed to learn SEO, I would have been too intimidated to even try. And there are a lot of people I talk to who just get overloaded even thinking, even, even saying SEO, which by the way, for those who don't know, stands for search engine optimization. That means Thank making you. Google your friend. Um, so yeah, so people who feel really intimidated, like it's something that they have to be some other person in order to understand or do content marketing. The idea behind the book was to explain, no, it, it, it's really not that hard. It can get a little complicated sometimes. Let me lay it out for you so that you understand what it is and you can go from there. You know, and, and even as you lay it out that a coach may not want to put all their information out there because that's what they will be ideally leaning on when they work with their clients, kind of with your book, you have the opportunity to put on display your expertise and say, sure, you can do it on your own if you can follow these steps. But it mm -hmm. is likely more cost effective, more time time effective and, and all the above if, if you work with me. So uh, I think that's that's an excellent tool to get that out there. Uh, one thing that we have discussed in the show a couple times is the, the maxim show, don't tell. And it seems that it's important uh, especially when you are displaying services, products. I'm just wondering, 
how in that conversation, if that comes up as far as what what you can do, what you do do, and how you can dis- uh, differentiate from what you might see from a, from a small business owner doing their own content to hiring a professional. Yeah, well, I think the show part is really where the case studies and certainly the testimonials come in because you can talk all the time about what you do and how awesome you are and how awesome your products and services are, but it just sounds different coming from someone who's actually been where your leads are and has can actually say, yeah, this product or service really helped me in these specific ways. That's a great way to show. Um, yeah, and in, in content, I always want to focus on first the pain point and then at some point in the content, let them know that you can create a solution for them and kind of paint a picture of what that solution looks like. Um, and there, you know, depending on your strategy, there may or may not be a certain amount of telling before before or after you get to that showing of what it would look like, right? You want to give them those three tips, two or nine ways to do X, Y, Z, right? But at some point you have to show them why they should care. And you hit it right on the head there with both the, the show and the tell piece that you have a pain point. I have a solution. Here's how we can, you know, here's how I can remedy that for you. And that's, that's what the message you want to get across because everyone's got some sort of problem they need solved. And if you can uh, display the expertise in a, in a number of ways in the content, then that makes it uh, that much, that call to action much more persuasive. Absolutely. Is, it, thank you. Is your, is your content strictly written? Are you venturing into video or other mediums or what does that look like now that there are so many different ways people are putting their content out? Yeah. Well, uh, going on podcasts like this one is certainly <laughs> part of my strategy. Um, I do also do professional speaking, uh, both in person and virtually. And I do have a YouTube channel. It's very basic. It's really just me sitting here in my dining room telling you about uh, blogging and SEO. So there's not going to be a lot of fancy graphics or anything. I'm not a graphics person. But I can talk about blogging and SEO all day long because, yeah, there are people who are like me and want to read the blog post and other people who just want to watch or or listen to the video. Maybe they're not even watching it. Maybe they're just listening to me talk while they do other stuff. There are plenty of people who do that on YouTube. So, yes, is the short answer. I am venturing to other mediums because as important as content is, it is certainly not the only kind of content that, that people are consuming. In, in your opinion, do you feel that those skills transfer that somebody who's good at writing like yourself and good at developing content is naturally also talented at putting together other forms, graphics, video? You mentioned you're not a graphic person, but where is there is there collaborations that you found that might make sense for for your clients or kind of for, for where you're looking to uh, have multiple different offerings and types of content? Yeah, I am definitely not a graphics person. I'm not going to be the person to do any graphic design either. Well, I do a little bit for myself via Canva, but I don't offer it to my my clients for that reason, because I know it's not my strong suit. And I know there are other people out there who can do a much better job than I can. As far as speaking, I think I'm kind of unusual. I just met another writer a few months ago who was like, oh, you're one of those weird writers who can also <laughs> speak in front of a crowd. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am kind of unusual in addition to my English and psychology degrees. I also made or minored in theater. So that has probably helped me in my public speaking uh, venture. I'm sure it has. You were obviously a very busy undergraduate. So it's nice how all three of those pieces have come together. And you are one of the few people that uh, that I've come across that uses their degree and almost to the uh, utmost here. 
Uh, when you are speaking, what are you talking to audiences about? I'm guessing it's content, and I'm guessing that it is blogging. But specifically, is it the tactics, the how-to? Is it uh, listen to these horror stories? Or what? what is, what is your audience getting when they walk out of that room? Yeah, I always try to provide actionable tips that they can use. And actually, I was just, I gave a presentation a couple months ago. And when I met someone after that presentation, a few weeks afterwards, uh, she said she had used my tips. She had not been blogging prior to listening to me speak. And then afterwards, she took what I said and started applying it to her blog and putting it out in her newsletter and suddenly was getting much more engagement in her newsletter than she had prior. So that was really exciting. So yeah, any regardless of what I'm talking about, whether it's blogging or SEO or both, I always want to make sure that you come away with something that you can actually apply to your your day to day life to your content marketing strategy. That's fantastic. That's the that's the best kind of feedback that you can get. So I hope that ended up as a testimonial for you somewhere. I'm working on it. <laughs> Very nice. Um, and kind of switching it up a little bit here. What are the, some of the common mistakes you might see that are um, out there as far as content, either uh, from people doing their own or just just mistakes and things people could do better without uh, without realizing that they are making these mistakes. Yeah, I think the biggest problem people make when they try to do their own, especially blogging, is they, they're not consistent with it. They put up a few blog posts, maybe they get excited when they first launch their website or launch their business and they write a few blog posts and then they get busy or they run out of ideas and they, they don't come back to it. They let it just sit dormant and that's not doing you any favors. No one wants to go to a blog and see that nothing has been published since in the past, you know, eight months or whatever. So that's, that's a big one is not being consistent, not keeping your audience front and center and everything that you do is also a big one. I've seen people write about um, their personal lives on their blog, their professional blog. Like that, that's great. You can get your friends reading that, but how is that going to convince people to buy from you? So that's um, that's another big one is, is really make sure that you're you're providing value to everything uh, to all of your clients and, and audience members. So those are two really good ones, especially the consistency one. That it's not only the it sounds like it's the timing that it's out there that it's current that it is always on point and then geared toward the proper audience. Not that me and uh, you know Sally went to somewhere over the weekend necessarily just to have that post for the sake of posting. Uh, so consistency all around, you know, quality and have something that uh, uh, will help your audience. Um, kind of as I, as you said that, I thought, well, a difficulty in for a lot of you know coaches, small business people, lawyers, is besides creating this content, you know, the actual job they're doing, they also have their content in multiple places. How how either are you making sure that it's the same everywhere when you make a, a change to? Uh, um, to to a bio or to a story that it might be on there, you know, on a Facebook page, on an Instagram, on a website. That just seems like it's something that could be a recipe for disaster. That now I've got, you know, I want to get my content everywhere, but now if something changes or evolves down the road, I have to also update it because I don't want to have that that you know eight month old piece that does that has the old logo or shows my old partner. So any any tips there, or what best practices do you recommend? Well, keep in mind, I mean, aside from your profile, social media posts tend to have a very short shelf life. I mean, yeah, they're up there. If people really go digging, they can find them. But for the most part, if it's more than even a few days old, in some cases, in the case of Twitter, if it's more than a few hours old, the case of anyone finding it is pretty slim. So I don't really worry about that. I do worry about duplicate content. I don't ever recommend publishing your content in multiple places. 
social media certainly has its time, its time and its place. I always recommend publishing on your own website, making sure you own your own content and then using social media as a distribution channel. So that's in my case is usually just a snippet of, you know, here, if you want here, we're talking about this on the blog today. If you want to find out more about that, like here, right. That kind of a thing. Um, and even with some of the longer posts that we've seen on Facebook and LinkedIn, I've, turned some of those into roundup posts where it's like, you can, you know, here's a snippet about this thing over here and another snippet about this thing over here. So you've got a bunch of links and a little, little bit tidbit about each thing that you're promoting in that, that post. That's great advice that to use the social media to funnel people to a website or a page that you own as opposed to uh, something that is uh, temporary in nature and that you may lose control over. So I think that's, that's helpful to a lot, uh, a lot of people out there. Um, changing gears again a little bit, um, you mentioned that writing was the, your passion and that perhaps writing a book was in the cards for you. If you had gone down that path, any idea what you would have written as that first book? Of fiction writing? If fiction was the, uh, the genre of choice, sure. So the first, so I, I did actually write a novel that I, I don't think I'm going to publish now, um, because it ended up being... And I, I couldn't quite classify like what genre it would fit into. Maybe it would be historical fiction because it did start kind of around World War II and followed uh, just the life of this man through you know most of the 20th century and the changes that the country went through. Um, but he was a gay man. And I, as I learned more about representation, I felt more and more icky about representing a minority group that I am not a part of. So that venture has been shelved but if i were to have pursued writing fiction that would have been my first novel okay fair enough uh, so writing is obviously an interest of yours as is uh, content creation because that's your day job you answer phones at some point uh, what other things do you do that are either for fun or completely different than your uh, professional endeavors well, I do love reading. So, I mean, it's it's not a, that should not come as a surprise, right? That a, a writer loves to read. So that's probably how I got into, it's kind of hard to remember now, actually, like what came first, reading or writing. It was probably reading, but not by much, because I, I was pretty much writing short stories as soon as I learned my alphabet. Um, you and I were talking before we started recording. I do have a Siberian Husky. So she has a lot of energy that needs to get burned. So we do spend a lot of time going for very long walks. Um, I don't love cooking. I'm okay with cooking, but I do really enjoy baking. Baking is a great de-stressor for me. So you'll usually find me if I'm not reading or writing or walking my dog, I'm usually in the kitchen. Now, I didn't catch her name, but I want to throw out that she is very well behaved because I believe she's just off camera and I haven't even heard a peep or and, you know, certainly no barking. So she's very well behaved. And I, Allison, give you full credit for that as well. Thank you. Yeah, she's pretty quiet for a husky. <laughs> what is the last thing you baked then? Um, brioche buns. Okay. That seems like a high degree of difficulty. Not really. It's one of those things that sounds complicated, but basically you just heat up some water and milk and throw in some yeast and let it do its thing for a bit. And then you throw in the flour and then you let it rise. The yeast is most of the work with bread. You just have to get in there and mix it up and knead it once in a while. Now tie this back into the content. You are very modest when it comes to all of these things because there is a very, very, uh, you know, it's a very difficult task and plenty of people do a poor job at 
baking and content. So the fact that uh, you are so modest on both, I, I'm putting this together here that you are, uh, that, that's just kind of your MO there. So no, not a problem, but uh, I, I see what's going on. Uh, I do need to ask because it's come up a couple times. Uh, you mentioned that you didn't think that SEO would ever be something that you would get into. And thank you for going into the abbreviation. I do know what it is, but it's one of those things that terrifies the hell out of me as well. Um, why is it important and how do you write for it? So it's important. I figured out that you really can't have blogging without SEO and vice versa. That's one of my biggest, again, one of the mistakes people make is not keeping their audience front and center when they're blogging. And in order to find out about their audience, there are all kinds of ways you can learn more about your audience and what they want to know about. But if you're strapped for ideas, my first stop is always my keyword research tools to do some keyword research, find out what keywords have a decent number of searches, but not a high competition score, which means that there's high competition score means there's a ton of content out there already using that keyword. You don't really have a chance of ranking for it. Whereas a lower competition score means you have a much better chance of ranking for that keyword. But sometimes that lower competition score also means a lower search volume. So you got to kind of find a sweet spot there. So that is something that, um, I'm trying to, I don't really remember how I first got started. I think one of the attorneys I wrote for actually started giving me keywords. Like he had already done the research um, and was just like, make sure that this is, you know, sprinkled throughout the content. But yeah, at some point I started doing more research on how to be a better blogger and how to be a content marketer and SEO and keyword research just kind of naturally flowed from there. So I, I started learning about it and then started playing around with it. Um, and yeah, so that's one of the biggest ways that I optimize content, the blog posts that I, and the, the landing pages that I write for my clients is making sure that those keywords are in there, making sure they're in the title, making sure they're in the subheadings. If there are subheadings in the blog post, making sure they're sprinkled, certainly in the introduction, but also throughout the rest of the content as much as possible and making sure that, you know, you have one target keyword, but there should always be other keywords that are related that you are also including there. So Google can get a really good idea of what that content is all about. And I can also, I can't tell my clients how long the content needs to be, but I can make recommendations based on, SEO um, and and just what we've seen as far as the stats with Google. So I'll just say very well done there because I think without saying it, you eloquently described between keywords, the competitive score, the vast, vast complexity of SEO and that if I'm even thinking about doing this on my own, no, I need to hire a professional like Allison because, yeah, I guess I could write a couple paragraphs, but now I got to worry about what I, what words I actually use and what the competition is. So there's no chance I can do this. I've got to actually run my own business. So uh, that makes sense. And your call to action without actually saying it, call Allison, look up Allison, because she, she knows all of these things and, and she can create the content that you're looking for. So very well done there. I, I, I picked up on what you, what, you, what you did there. Thank you. And thanks for saying my call to action for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and kind of on that, where can our listeners find you if they want to, uh, to either contact you or learn a little bit more? Yeah, so my website is AV, as in my initials, Allison Verhalen. So it is avwritingservices.com. And you can find out, obviously, I have my blog there. You can find out more about my book over there. I'm, I'm all over. So we'll post uh, the book, the website, and the YouTube channel as well. Uh, Allison, this was a lot of fun. I've learned a ton, and I feel 
like my content creation is certainly lacking and uh, you've given me a lot to think about and it's time for me to hire a professional because you just know more than, than we do. That's, that's, that's been established this evening. So thank you for doing that. You're very welcome. You got it. Look forward to next time. Awesome. Thanks.